So here it is. Merry Christmas. Everyone's got Omicron. Let's get vaccinated now or the football games won't be on. Hey, Rennie, do you know how expensive Disneyland is? Hey everybody, it's the Week in the Deck Podcast! How you doing? All right, I'm Tom Rennie. Great to have you with us live from Plague Island. And with me, I'm delighted to say, back from his holiday, so we haven't got to get Tim wanging on this week about the Ravens. It is MLS Legends, and I'm assuming newly broke. Brian Dunstan, <laughs> how are you, mate? You're right. I'm great. I'm great. Rennie, I went to Mexico, had a blast, uh, was on a, a cruise ship, which I know for listeners out there oh sounds uh, a bit dicey in the uh, in in the age in which we are. Uh, yes. All good, man. All good. Got but the good news is you don't just catch COVID on uh, cruises. You can also catch literally everything else. So the good news is he's come back with both chlamydia and Incessant migraines. Welcome ins- back to dry land. <laughs> the, the incessant migraines from <clears throat> copious amounts of alcohol. Yes. Uh, yes. The chlamydia. Wife's going to have a problem with that. Got that from a koala bear. Yes. That's, that's, that's what you can do on cruise tickle, ships. Tickle. It's crazy. It was actually it went a, it on was, bestiality cruises. It was actually a dolphin <clears throat> as I yes. lose my voice. And I, I haven't lost my voice at all. Uh, but then I went to Disneyland, Rennie. Took the little oh, guy to Disneyland. The Anaheim one. The Anaheim yeah. one. Yeah, well, they're oh. connected, just so you know. The Anaheim, Disney, you've got Disneyland, you've got California yes. Adventure. They are yes. connected. You literally just walk the distance in between. And, uh, yeah, it's expensive. Churro. Oh, Do you know what a churro is? You ever had a yeah, churro? Yeah, it's like yeah. a Mexican finger cake. <clears throat> but long. Like a really long finger. Yeah, like a long finger. Yeah. Long finger yeah. cake. Yeah. yeah. Five bucks. Oof. Five dollars. And how long are we talking? A soda. A soda. Uh, give, give me an inches. Foot, foot, uh, eight, uh, I don't know. Family show. 18, 20 inches, something like that. I mean, it's like... Wow. It's like that oh, big, that's, but it's... That's quite good. <clears throat> 18 inches is quite good for five dollars. No, it? it's... Cr- uh, it's great. Churros are the best thing in the world. Wow. Five bucks, kind of expensive. The fact you think that's expensive shows that you live in Utah and I live in London because that that's sounds ve- great that- value. Oh my God, this is such a great point. Because we went then after we got back, we stayed at Huntington Beach. We got this at the, at the Hyatt in Huntington Beach. If anyone's ever been there, it's right next to the pier or maybe down a couple. I have couple. been there. You have? I have been there, yes. No, you have not. I have when I, when I was in uh, Los Angeles for a month, two years really? ago. We went there. And there's, uh, there's like Hearn Bay or something up that way and a few other bits up that way, yeah. Well, I've never heard of that, and I grew yeah. up kind of in that. Okay, cool. Uh, so you have been I mean, there. That, was a, that was a vague memory of what yeah. it was called. <laughs> it was but, H something. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so when I went and got myself an old-fashioned, I realized $18 later, yes, uh, Huntington Beach prices, California prices, Southern California prices. Do you think that's expensive? $18 for a drink? I went yes. to a, a show at Proud London um, maybe six weeks ago, and an old-fashioned was about £14. So that's about Ooh. $26. Ooh. Uh, look, look at Horsey. He's like, can we just move on and get to the football? But you had a lovely holiday. You enjoyed Disneyland. Yeah. What was your best ride? What was your least favorite ride? Oh, my God. Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy, which... The uh, best. Oh, my God. It's incredible. So you, you get in... And it's it's kind of the it's like the elevator experience where it's going up and down and up and down and up and down uh, when you get in and it's it's you know you're trying so, so to... far you got in a lift 
Yeah, you got in a lift, you strapped in, and uh, you're trying to free the Guardians of the Galaxy who've been imprisoned right. by, I can't remember the guys, the Collector. The Collector has imprisoned yeah. them, uh, and then you're trying to break them out. And it's so this, much fun. This sounds more like a, a skate room than a ride. It, it, it's, it is, because you're going level to level, but I'll tell you what, Karenny, the coolest part is when you get yeah. on, all of a sudden Rocket like plugs in his music, the music Which starts playing from Guardian, for, you know Rocket, right? Rocket? No. No, a little animal. Did you ever watch I Guardians? Of the I Galaxy? don't watch superhero movies. I think they're all rubbish. Oh my god! It, I I understand superhero why. superhero movies. What they should do <laughs> is have some creativity, and instead they're like, and then he's invisible, mm. and then he can fly. Yeah. He's from where's he from? What's his backstory? Oh, let's just say he's from Skidababa, which is a planet just outside <laughs> of our solar system. So, so what load Tim, of rubbish the, again? Rennie is from the no fun zone. From his hands. He's from the he's he from cares. the no fun zone. You oh, he's grumpy, from grumpy bastard. And he is basically uh, he's basically impenetrable. So why has he done so many press ups then? So let me ask you this: Why why are you so angry? I'm telling you a story about you asked me what the best ride was at Disneyland. And yeah, and you picked you. the wrong one. The answer <laughs> is Jungle Cruise. <laughs> It didn't do Jungle Cruise. We were only in the California. It's at the Avengers other one. Side. It's at the other one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Anyways, it, you know what the cool part about it is that as you're on the lift, yeah. you take off immediately. So it's like weightlessness. You just shoot up. All of a sudden, then you drop down. So it's kind of like the weightlessness adventure okay. of going up and down and like freeing them at different stages. And uh, anyways, great, great, great time. And I'll tell you what. And you'll, you've experienced this uh, with your daughter. The moment that you see their face light up. It doesn't matter what the money is. It's kind of all worth it. It's like those memories. And I can tell you that they don't remember all of those memories, but you do. And that's why it's valuable. I look forward to that happening to me because this morning I took my daughter to nursery uh, and then I got to the door. Uh, her carer came out, a lovely girl came out and my daughter ran away from me, literally pushed me away from her to run towards the carer. And the carer said, you want to look back and say goodbye to daddy? And she went, no, and just walked in. <laughs> and didn't even look back. I keep her alive. So you ask why I've got the ump at the moment, and that's because we're doing the Christmas period here in England. We're doing the, let me, I want to start with this. Now I want to talk to you about what happened last weekend. I know you couldn't watch a great deal of it, but I do need to talk about VAR. And I watched, the yeah. Absolute, Tim, get ready. Cluster f***ery of last weekend, which was, it was honestly the most, amount of balls up some bad decisions you've seen ever in the history of video assistant referee <laughs> game to game to game it was howler after howler after howler if anyone needs a winter break if anyone mm. needs a, a circuit breaker it's all referees i would yeah. rather we did the christmas period without officials because the players will be able to navigate the games better than those idiots who were in charge of games last weekend and i have some sympathy for them because i always have sympathy for on-field referees because that looks a super hard job not only are you the referee now but you also work in a call center dealing with some idiots back in some call center who are trying to connect we're going to connect you shortly to the video assistant referee you know but <laughs> someone watches it on tv and thinks that wasn't a penalty to newcastle and vladimir sufau should be sent off and we'll get to all that yeah. I know you didn't see them all, so I'll, I'll try and go through them kind of categorically. A lot of our audience did, but I just want to start with this because here's the big lie, okay? You've heard a lot in the press over the last few years about the big lie. What is the big lie? It isn't that the election was uh, stolen or any of that nonsense. The big lie is the Christmas period in football is good. That's the big lie. 
That's the big lie that the UK, the Premier League, English football has been telling you for years and years and years. I can categorically tell you it's not good. Why is it not good? Well, let me take you to St. James's Park. Let me take you to the Etihad Stadium, where City have had their last two games against Leeds United, where they thrashed them 7 0, yeah. and Newcastle United, where they bashed them before the other day. What happens every year is for the first 10, 15 games of a season, there's a couple of really good teams, there's a couple of breakout teams, and you think, we could have a real great title race on our hands here. This could be an epic title race. Mm-hmm. And then we get to about November and suddenly one of the, the, the favourites drops away. They usually sack their manager. But then the surprise packages carry on. This year, you look at Arsenal, you look at West Ham, you look at Wolverhampton Wanderers, and you think, yeah, probably punching above what we expected, but they could yeah. be in the title race. They could win this. They could make the Champions League. Look at how good they've been playing. Uh, and then we get to Christmas. And what happens is... You ask these players to play game after game after game after game. You ask them to play three games in six days when a lot of them have already been playing three games in six days for ages. And Man City thrash Leeds United, right? And Leeds injuries have been well documented. They've got no Bamford. They've got no Rodrigo. They've got no Calvin Phillips. They've got no Strauch. Cock remains out. Always a nightmare. They've had no Ailing. They've had no Dallas. They've... Everybody, everybody, everyone at Leeds is out and unavailable and can't play football right now. And they play Man City. And we can talk about the tactics of Bielsa, blah, blah, blah. The next game, a couple of days later, Leeds played Arsenal. And they had to play basically the same team because there was nobody. The cupboard was bare. Uh, And it's not just COVID, though COVID is in that camp like it's everywhere. But it's just injuries. And instead of giving them seven days to get as many players back, to get ready for this game, to try and give us, you and I, the consumer, a brilliant game of football, they were like, play the game. Of course Arsenal thrashed them because Leeds had nobody, and they're playing again, and again, and again, and again. Imagine the future of human history. It's basically the boot of Richard Masters, head of the Premier League, stamping in the face of fans forever. (laughs) That's what football is now, right? And we get to Man City, Newcastle. They beat them for four. Newcastle couldn't change anyone. They they couldn't start Sir Maximan because he got injured against Liverpool a couple of days previous. Wilson comes back in. Man City didn't play Jack Grealish or Phil Foden, right? They didn't yep. need him because yeah. they had De Bruyne, Cancelo, uh, Jesus, and Mares and Sterling, and right? all these players. Newcastle, I've got a crap first team anyway. First team are half missing, and Man City didn't even need Foden and Grealish. And this is the big lie. The big mm. lie is, oh, we all love Christmas, don't we, guys? Don't we, guys? I tell you, loves it. The teams that have got the most money and the biggest squads. Yeah. And if you don't have the most money and the biggest squads, and you want to continue with this charade of doing Christmas, you're a mug. You're an yeah. absolute mug. If you want to beat Man City, you need your best team. You need rest and recuperation. And instead, you've got your second string at best, and they can literally send Grealish and Foden down the pub and beat you for four. Mm. And everyone's like, more please. Yes, spank me again, Pep. Spank me again. I want more of that sweet, sweet punishment. (laughs) Rubbish. It's rubbish. Christmas is rubbish. Hmm. It's always been rubbish. And it's about time the UK got rid of both the Tories and the Christmas period. We get rid of them and we'll all be happy again. Dunny, thoughts on the Christmas football calendar? I I would just like to ask you, uh, first off, Tim, can we not say balls up or balls balls out? Or okay, Ooh, balls fine. are fine. Balls are beautiful, is what you're saying. Uh, two, Rennie, I'll tell you what, man. I've been gone for ten days. 
And looking at the schedule or looking at the table, I think I understand the reason for your hatred towards the Christmas period is mm. that West Ham is out of the top four. They're fifth. Yes, that's pretty pretty good. <laughs> They're the fifth best team in England. I'm <laughs> sorry, is. mate. You fucking up the wrong tree there, it mate. Is. This, it is, is. this is great. A little bit of a wobble. A little bit of a wobble, Renny. Um, the, if we the finish other... fifth this year, I'm going to get a tattoo of David Moyes' face on my ball. <laughs> yes, please. Because the good news is, and I think that'll the, be the, the first the time I actually the skin, I... the texture of the skin is already there, so it's half the job done. For, first, uh, I I would. I think this is the first time in my life I will sign up to watch your tattoo session should this happen. I'm just, yeah. we're, uh, what is it? 5.17 in the morning on uh, December 21st. <laughs> I'm just trying to give you a shot of espresso in this program. That's what I'm aiming for. <laughs> yeah, give, give, give it to me. Um, listen, you're right. You're always right. This is, this is spot on, and it always has been spot on. That we, we do this thing, right, where we, I think we, we, we get the calendar at the start of the year. And in August, what we start doing is looking at the games and we start kind of mapping out what it looks like, right? Okay, this is a tough schedule from September to November, or this Christmas period is going to suck. And I, actually, before we actually started recording, I was actually putting together what the schedule looks like. I actually write it down and I highlight all the different games from... That is so old school. What? Well, because I like to reference it. It's, it's easier than trying to pull it up, but there's you're looking at schedules that for man United are going to be super easy because they already went through the crappy schedule. Now you're looking at, uh, I don't know. And not that it really matters, but Arsenal, they've got wolves, they've got city, they got Tottenham, they got wolves, they got Chelsea, they got Liverpool. And that just gets them through the end of February. So it sucks because you're right. You're spot on the teams that have the money are capable of building these squads. And I do find it, depending on what your team is, and I know if you're a Chelsea guy or a Liverpool guy or a City guy or a United guy or you're a West Ham guy, everybody has their own kind of perspectives on their teams, right? But right now, what we're, we're recognizing is it's the opposite of the luck of the draw with regards to COVID, which teams are having these breakouts with Omicron and what it, what it may look like and how, how, and we're still not really talking about this, the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated, who's close contact, who has to go into isolation, who's deemed okay because they're boosted or what. Those, those are variables at play. But the injuries, the amount of games being played, the muscle fatigue, the mental fatigue, these are yeah. all things that nobody wants to talk about but happens between the white lines over the course of 90 minutes. These are all issues. But, Renny, the big picture, it's the same conversation. When I look at Chelsea, devastated by COVID mm. only has five players on the bench. When I look at that starting 11, one could argue outside of Reese James playing central midfield that that team on any given weekend could be the starting 11 for Thomas Tuchel. Yeah. And that shows you the depth of these clubs that even with injuries and suspensions and COVID, that the quality of player that's available to some of these super clubs is ridiculously deep. Yeah. And that's why the winter period sucks. And this is a great point because people are shouting at their, at their wherever they're listening to now, their phones, and they say radios there, but whatever you're listening on, people are saying, yeah, but they've just got to get on with it. They can get on with it. They are getting on with it. And what happens is Man City go 15 points clear and the season's over. So well done, mate. Not you. The listener who was thinking that. Well done, pal. You got what you wanted. Everyone got on with it. Everyone sucked it up and got on with it, and the, it killed the season. Nice one, pal. Mm. We'll do it again next year, and I've got to deal with your idiocy for another year, mm. right? Yeah. The, 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 the program on the 28th between the Boxing Day and New Year's Day shouldn't be happening. 
It just shouldn't be happening. And that's before uh, we're going to talk COVID and all that sort of stuff that's happening for this year. But take it all, the, all away. It shouldn't be happening because what we get is the teams with the massive squads who can rotate, rotating massively, and the ones that can't rotate get beaten. And if they do pull off a shock win against Liverpool or they get a shock draw or something, the next game... They've got to play the same team again, and that team can't get to those levels, and that's what happens repeatedly. And the other thing they'll be screaming is, we've always done it. We've done it forever. They were playing on Boxing Day in 1895, and they didn't complain then. Well, firstly, how (laughs) old are you? Wow, what's your secret? You're incredible. Your skin looks amazing. Uh, Secondly, in those days, even going back to, like, you know, our our friends Ray Hudson, Rodney Marsh, our Sirius XMFC friends who played in a different era... The best teams were still a best team. They were the best team with, you know, one sub for a while, three subs even in the 90s. It was a bit whiffy when Man United were doing it in the 90s, but they still only had three subs and couldn't name them. Now you have an entire team on your subs bench. Yeah. So you've got this massive squad game thing. The gap was always big, but it's like the inequalities in society, right? Trickle-down economics doesn't work. Everyone knows this, apart from those that are winning in this battle for survival, which is the life that which we currently lead. And those getting richer are getting richer and richer and richer and richer. And these ones in the middle, Everton, West Ham, Newcastle, which they were getting richer, so they kind of keep clawing on. They think they're temporarily embarrassed, but really they're just poor. And then the ones below them, I mean, how are Burnley going to cope with an injury outbreak? They can't. And yeah. we, we'll come on here saying, Burnley are crap. They deserve to get relegated. Mm. But what chance did we give them? We put them into a game against Man City and, and we just kneecapped them on the way out. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, and we yeah. do it every year. Yeah. And then we're like, yeah, they're crap. Send them down. We'll give them a week of build-up. Reduce the size of the Man City squad. Make some actual changes for competition. Man City would still have an, an embarrassing advantage over everyone else because of their budget, but they couldn't also let Foden and Grealish go down Weatherspoons on Tuesday and still win the next game 4-0. <laughs> Do we know what their tab was, by the way? Uh, I don't know what their tab was, but I know that even despite what I've said, please invite me next time. Right. That'd be yeah. a good night out. Be a good, good night, night out. out. To Love be fair, I- though, Grealish, yeah, Foden, it can stay at home, can't it? Let's talk about this actual Boxing Day because, you know, this is this is worth talking about because we had a... So I do what happened to me at the weekend just gone while you were off on your holidays. Um, I was in Pets at Home, Romford, and I was walking around with my sweet boy Jasper, who's sitting behind me right now. Lovely little fella. I normally send him out of the room on recording days, but um, he said, little cough, so I'm looking after him. Oh, he's a lovely little fella. And um, we're walking around Pets at Home. I've got his medicine, and I got a text in, and this was about 1 p.m. We go live at 2.30 UK time. Burnley is off. Mm. And, you know, I took the day off because my game got cancelled and I thought, well, there's, there's loads of people losing out on work here. I'd rather give it to someone else and I'd rather have the day off. So I put that all together. I'm going to have a sort of family day. And, you know, when you're just like an hour and a half before we're due live, yeah. two hours, I've got to get home, get on the laptop. You know, we've got partners all over the world taking our Premier League coverage. They need to be told. They're not on Twitter like me, doom scrolling all day. You know, they need to be told. So yeah. I'm getting in touch with people all over the world. This game's off. We've got to do this. Thinking, trying to make some sort of cover program. And after that, we had, what, four games last weekend in the Premier League, right? Yeah. There was a meeting on Monday of Premier League executives, not managers and players and people that are actively involved, the execs. Now, I, I, I don't want to be too critical because I don't know the ins and outs of everything, but I do know for a fact that some clubs really pushed for Boxing Day 
and the 28th and New Year's Day to be called off. They wanted a fire break and others did not. We already know that some managers have come out for it. Others haven't. Opinion is split. But I do know that what we got last weekend, the Premier League was a bit of a farce. And I'll tell you right now, we're not going to get 10 day, uh, ten games Boxing Day and, and the, the day after as, as that kind of weekend. No way. Yeah. No way we're going to get them. We couldn't possibly get them. Um, and yet they had that meeting. We're like, we're going to press on. And genuinely stunned by it. Because if you look at the sheer amount of players that are missing, and you talked about vaccination earlier on. Look, the issue is this. The issue is pretty clear. That there's a couple of tweets I want to read you. One is for, uh, by a journalist from CNN talking about the US. In the United States, there's 451 cases of COVID per 100,000 people when it comes to unvaccinated people. Vaccinated, 134 cases per 100,000. Uh, people have had their booster. I've had my booster, 48 per 100,000. So you get your vaccine, you're less likely to get COVID. And if you do, you're less likely to go to hospital. And if you do go to hospital, you're less likely to die, right? Just basic stuff, really. Yeah. It's yeah. not. This is not a debatable point. It's just counting. You know, this is what's happening. You know, you don't want to do it. Fine. It's up to you, you prick. Do what you want. You don't want to get vaccinated. That's <laughs> fine. Uh, but if you're unvaccinated, there's an average six deaths per 100,000 people. If you're your booster, it's 0.1 per 100,000 people. So million people per death. Right. Counting again, it's just counting, but you know, microchips and uh, pedophiles and that, whatever, that's fine. Um, but let's get to the Premier League. <laughs> and this is why it's interesting, right? Because the Premier League got 16% of top flight footballers who've had I no jabs at all. That yeah. was in the Daily Mail on Tuesday. They've been very, very secretive about jabs. They're not secretive in other countries, not in Syria, not in La Liga, not in the Bundesliga, who said 94% double vaxxed players in mm. the Bundesliga. Uh, and we're 16% nothing. And this is why this is a concern. Because if it was everyone's boosted, and I know that some club, West Ham, for example, turned their training ground into a vaccination hub. I saw for that. Their players and staff. Yeah, and they're not, not the only awesome. ones. They're just, yeah. It's just up the road from me, so I knew it. But everyone is now going, oh, dear, maybe we should get vaccinated. Oh, dear, maybe we should start doing it. We should maybe listen to Joshua Kimmich, who didn't want to get vaccinated, and now he's got a lung issue that might debilitate him for the rest of his life. And, we, we, you know, David Moyes last week, you know, I love the Moyes, but he said last week that we should treat it like a diversity, like it's diversity for someone to get vaccinated. Yeah. You know, th I mean, this is my point to you. This is my question to you. I'm just rambling on today. But, you know, how on earth did they think we were going to be able to get all these games on? Why are these games on? Why was there so much opposition to getting these games on? And what would you have done? You're in charge. You're the czar. Yeah, I don't think there's a correct answer depending upon the the perspective that you have. I think this is one of those, we, we are such a politicized environment and community now that anything that one person says is going to be applauded and cheered and also be jeered and uh, bullied on social media based yeah. on whatever stance. And, and I do find it kind of fascinating because it's very evident who is is for vaccinations as managers and they're publicly out there you know i don't want to say pushing it but they're very publicly uh backing vaccinations for Pop, the Bruno players Lage, and stuff. yeah been very public very vocal and then you have others that are kind of dancing around the situation um I, I, as we are sitting here Manchester United has announced that from December 30th, fans over 18 years old attending a game at Old Trafford must show proof of double vaccination or a negative lateral flow or PCR test taken within 48 hours or proof of medical exemption. If you are choosing to do this, which 
I do not personally have a problem with. I think it's a rather smart idea considering what's happened on, what were you calling it? COVID Island? No, you were calling it. We are Plague Island. Plague currently. Island. Plague the Island. highest amount of cases yeah. uh, yesterday in the world. Plague Island. Uh, why isn't it the same for the players? Yeah. Why, why, I mean, honestly, if if as, as a club, as an, I'll, I'll use an organization, club organization, because at the end of the day, it is it is a business environment that they are operating behind the scenes. It is a transaction purchase to get inside the stadium. If that's what you're asking from the fans, why aren't you asking the same from your players within the club? Hmm. Um, Are we going to see someone, do you think, on that? Do you think 16% is a huge number? It's a huge number. Are we going to see someone? And should we see someone be like, and the manager comes out and says, I couldn't play such and such. I think Klopp's that way. Yeah, I think Klopp's the closest to to saying, well, I think he said it publicly, but he's talking about transfer windows, right? Transfer windows. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll use the example here in Major League Soccer. There, there was a player. What was his name? I can't remember his name right now. Eric, uh, I won't remember it, but he, he formerly of Vancouver Whitecaps, born in Kansas City. He was playing for the Montreal Impact. But when they opened the border, because he chose not to get vaccinated, he was not going to be able to go back and forth over the border. So Montreal Impact was going back home to play home games, but he wasn't going to be able to go back and forth because he chose not to be vaccinated. So that he was traded to Columbus Crew subsequently released after the end of the season, but was was traded because to play in the United States and bounce around, then the one or two games over in Canada, he can miss as opposed to going back and forth that whole time and going two weeks into isolation. Yeah. I think what we're going to see is there is going to, and I know everyone kind of talk about here in the States, HIPAA laws and asking about medical backgrounds, but the reality is I think managers and clubs are going to be thinking about first question, after they identify the player, hey, by the way, are you vaccinated? And if you're not vaccinated, I think we are going to hear stories down the line years from now of theoretically, right? Jurgen Klopp in Liverpool was going to sign Joshua Kimmich, but they found out that he wasn't vaccinated, so they decided to go into a different direction. And you know what's good, interesting about that is that it isn't just like we can have our, you know, people listen to this saying, oh, I'm not going to get vaccinated because, you know, they're pricks. Um, But... And they, they're extending this for all of us. So cheers. Nice one, libertarians. Um, but what's interesting is that that decision that Jurgen Klopp might make in your theoretical example isn't a morality thing. No. It's more a case of, well, he isn't going to be able to play maybe 10, 15 games. And yeah. we need 38 games from these guys at least. And they won't be able to play. So it's a full-on capitalist decision yeah, not because, mor- not moral or anything like that i need this guy to play is he yeah. less likely to be available to me if he's vaccinated uh, okay then we, we won't have it well but uh, here perfect example let's use Kimmich, and i know Kimmich's low-hanging fruit right now but say okay he's in liverpool right uh international duty oh where are you going oh we're going to germany and then we're going to andorra and then we're going to go to portugal and then we're going so what happens if the borders are closed or what happens if it's a red zone oh uh Champions League week, Tuesday, uh, we've got to go to Ruben Kazan. Well, okay. What, and you got to think about all the, all the people behind the scenes are like, well, travel, restrictions, who can go, who can't go. By the way, if we come back to England, are they going to have to go into some, is it immediate testing before they get on the plane? Are they going to have to go into isolation because they're not vaccinated? Do they have to have a different dressing room? Do they have to have a different entrance? Can they eat with the team? Can they not eat with the team? Can we do any of our, 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 our media trainings or can we do our pregame match, you know, video stuff? All of these are elements of the world that we live in. And yeah. by the way, Rennie, let's just simplify it. A majority of these athletes are idiots. 
I was one of those idiots. And, and it's not that I'm double vaxxed, I'm, I'm boosted, all that. It's not even that. It's that as players, we looked, and I'll speak for myself, I looked for every single stinking advantage that I could find. If yeah. that meant I went to GNC and I got a multivitamin, if I was at uh, Costco and I found some energy drink that would just get me going a little bit, you know, pre, you know, shooting espressos or drinking Red Bulls, I, I can remember like buying this bottle and it was red out of GNC and it was like, drink this before you work out. You'll have energy forever. I took one before a game. I was literally like shaking. My heart was pounding out of my chest because I thought that would give me an advantage. It yeah. was, because as like, if I was sick, I wasn't at home under the covers with some sniffles. I went and ran three or four miles to try to sweat it out, cough it out, spit it out, huck loogies, do whatever. In my mind, I had this thing of if I do this, the cause and effect was if I eat this way, I was going to play this way. Yeah. If I took this, this would give me the advantage of being super healthy and super smart. And I was going to be sharp on the game day and I was going to be stronger than everybody because that's how we think. Yeah. Use anything that an athlete can do to give them a physical advantage over anything. We were yeah. going to try to expose that little lane that would give us an advantage over everybody else. And, but we accept and, that, didn't we? we? We all accepted that for a while. I accept that, that people didn't want to take the vaccination because they were worried about their peak physical performance. For a, I think we all accepted that for a while, but now we're on like wave four or five. No, I, yeah, and and I just think, and to be I just clear, think my, to my patience yeah. for that, my patience you. for that is over. Because there's this virus going around, people are dying, people are getting health problems, all society is getting called off, and you're the one moaning to me about the pubs closing. You could go to the pub if you put a mask on, but you won't do it. And we can be maybe past this, and we could be treating it like a flu, which is what you said we should do all along, if we had some vaccines, but you won't do it. It's just a whole, you can't tell me what to do mentality. Hmm. You know, it just does, does my head in. I'm and, not accepting and, it anymore. And by the way, I think Randy, anyone who's not vaccinated should be banned from playing <laughs> until such time as we think this is over. Well, no but, vaccination? And, great. There's the job center. Contract's canceled. Yeah, and, and think about this. Everybody who has gone to a gym or workout facility or gone to yoga or Pilates or whatever, l- let me bring it home for you. If you, are, if you are any of these players in the locker room, Imagine if you go to the gym, you go to Pilates, you go to yoga, whatever. Everybody out there is sweating profusely. Their shirts are off. They're walking around barefoot. They're sneezing and coughing everywhere. And that image of wherever you're working out, just next time you go work out, think about that. That's what you're, that's, that is what a professional locker room looks like. Yeah. It Um, is a haven for disgusting ish everywhere. (laughs) Can I can I ask you a follow up on this? I, I do want to get to some other bits, yeah. but I, I you know this is the this is the biggest story going on right now, right? Um, in terms of Boxing Day, there is there is this rule for the Premier League, and again, a game in each unique time slot on Sirius XMFC in the US. You know, Talksport partners around the country. Talksport got a bunch. You know, that's TV as well. A lot of people are relying on these games happening, right? So everyone's going to push to get them on. Yeah. If we think that's right or wrong, this is the facts of it, right? There's this rule that wasn't being enforced last week, which was if you have 14 fit players, including under 21 players, if you can come up with a squad of 14, including a goalkeeper, you must play the game. That's what we all thought was the, that's the rule, right? But that wasn't being like hard enforced. Now we don't have the numbers of who's got it and who doesn't, because for some reason they've been incredibly secretive over here compared to other countries, whatever. Don't know why, don't know why it's allowed, but you know, we are where we are. I don't agree with that. But 
Is that something that you think they should be enforcing? You referenced Chelsea earlier, uh, mm. and it was a great, great example. I referenced Leeds earlier, which is kind of the other end of the spectrum in terms of squad depth. Is it fair for them to play? And in fact, let's, let's change fair because I think, you know, life ain't fair, baby. But does it infect, affect the integrity mm. of this season, of these games? If Leeds get relegated, we make them play the next four or five games and they end up with a 14-year-old in goal because he is a registered member of the extended squad. Yeah. Is the integrity of this entire season gone? Oh, the integrity. It's challenged, and I think the last two seasons have been challenged, the integrity of the Premier League. There's going to be someone out there that says, hold on, you two, if they registered a 16-year-old or they registered a 15-year-old or if he was born in 2006, that's on them. It shouldn't be on the integrity of the league. I think the circumstances are intriguing to talk about, and I'm not trying to dance around this, only because when you're bringing the youth players up to the first team, how does that affect whatever the COVID bubble looks like? And I know we're calling it COVID bubble, but it's not really a bubble, but you're moving players through the facility. So it's changing the dynamics. My, I, th I think at the end of the day, as much as we want to talk about development, is there development in the Premier League? Number one. Number two, when I look at these benches, if the excuse is they're not ready, why did you register them? Two, if they're not ready, is it you're not naming them to the bench because you don't trust them? Mm. I think Tuchel could have named, in my opinion, and from the outside looking in, I was intrigued to see the short bench and asking questions why he didn't include some of the younger players. And if they were available and he just chose not to, was it because he doesn't trust them? Because at the end of the day, we can talk about substitutions available. We can talk about fitness. We can talk about healthy legs. We can talk about all that. At the end of the day, you know this, Rennie, if and Moyes looks down the bench and goes, can't trust him, can't trust him. Yeah. I'd rather go with these guys, even if they're fatigued, tired, you know, hobbling around, because these guys give me more, even at this, whatever, 50%, than that yeah. kid will get. I can't trust him. There's I, a reason I, we never see Andre Yarmolenko. Well, yeah. There, there, same, there's a same reason. Adornment. To, to prove your point. Yeah, same adornment. Your point. <laughs> um, finally on this, in terms of Boxing Day and in terms of the kind of Christmas period. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this question, because Wales, uh, there are teams in Wales that are in the, the Football League in England, so you've got Cardiff and you've got Swansea. Yeah. They are having all sporting events behind closed doors on Boxing Day, which is the 26th, and that will probably continue until the new year. Wales, for those that don't know, have a devolved administration, so they're part of the United Kingdom, but they have their own government. They have a system of proportional representation, which means there's never been a majority government in Wales. So it's always a mix of like two or three parties. So they have to come up with compromise. They are a government who are trying to kind of make the best of this whole situation. They've gone behind closed doors. And that's a possibility here. My question is, would you rather football went behind closed doors and continued? Or would you rather everything stop for a month and we come back with some fans in? Mm. At the moment, it's <clears> going ahead with all fans. But... Yeah. I wonder what you think is a better scenario. I, <laughs> trying to think from a player's perspective. What I, what I have wondered, and I hate it, and I hate it. I hate empty stadiums, although I do enjoy when Pep loses his mind and just MFs everybody around him in the field mics pick up <laughs> everything. I do thoroughly enjoy that. 
Um, I, I, it's the thought that crossed my mind. Why, why aren't if it, if you are going to tell us the health of the players are, is important right now, what about the health of the fans? And to your point, when you are packing tens of thousands of people on top of each other, and I understand it's outside. I I recognize it. I, I understand you're outside, but when you're packing all these people together and you're going in such tight confines, walking through the building and going to get food and beverage, going to the, you know, use the facilities, getting on public transport back yeah. and forth, back and forth, back and forth. If, if, if you are trying to say as, as a league and as a sport, the health of the players are important, then the byproduct of that should also be about the fans. I would assume if we're just talking pure numbers that the way to cut down on some of the transmission of the virus right now would be to go behind closed doors and minimize the amount of people that are traveling and going to games and being in pubs and just congregating in the manner in which they are. That would seemingly slow down some of the spread. I, I, I personally, I think the games going on gives fans and the population a reason to continue, right? It's their outlet. It's it's something that they need. And I think we saw that during shutdown when the first time around. I don't know what the right answer is, Randy. I want to see yeah. the sport continue to play. I look forward to it every weekend. Even this last weekend when all the games were postponed, I was just, I want to watch United play. I, I wanted to see Rangnick continue and what this all looked like yeah. going forward, right? So I don't get to watch it. So I watch some of the other games and that's fine, but I'm not invested in the other games. So do I want to see the games go on? Yes. Do I want to make sure everyone's healthy? And, and I think we're going to see, I don't know what we're going to see, but I'm just hoping we don't see more long-term side issues coming along yeah. with COVID that are, at the end of the day, we're going to start hearing stories at some point in the future about how some player's career was ruined because of what transpired during this timeline. And we're going to be, we're going to just have a ton of reference points. What does it all look? Who, who the hell knows? I'm confused as, as much yeah. as you are. Do, do you know what annoys me about this answer is that I come to you for a straight yes or no, and hopefully There's some swearing not. in there. And yeah. you know what? You gave me an answer of nuance and yeah. maturity. Hmm. Who are you? And what have you done with Brian Dunson? Now, it's been a bit of a hot episode today. Um, so let's talk about something that isn't going to annoy us all. Let's talk about the VAR decisions uh, of mm. the last week uh, and what the hell is going on. Because the refereeing standards over Christmas, again, like the players, like everyone, they always drop too many games, not enough referees. And, you know, the head of the referees, it needs a, it needs a full revolution, which is something we've discussed at length. And we will do again, but that isn't kind of today. Let, let's focus in on, on what's happened over the last week. And I'm just going to read a few bits out to you. And I know you haven't seen all of these and certainly didn't get involved in all the furore of it all because you were quite rightly enjoying your actual life. Um, but here's a few. Wednesday night, I went to Arsenal West Ham and Vladimir Soufal gives a penalty away. Mm. On the replay of this penalty, he doesn't execute the sweep challenge well, but he kicks the ball first. He kicks the ball second, and then there is a collision with Lacazette. Isn't particularly violent. It's not violent conduct, and yet it's given as a red card. I heard some commentator say, barely grazed the ball. I can only assume he's blind because he literally kicked it twice. Um, but it's given as a, a second yellow, 
and a penalty. Sufalo sent off, you know, changes the game completely. Fast forward. Let's get to, in fact, last weekend, you, you would have seen Bernardo Silva's handball when it hit him on the ribs. You would have seen all sorts of madness happening previous weekend. Yeah. Fast forward to Man City this week. Edison slides out. A defender, I think, might be Stones. I forget now, but a City defender takes the ball away, but Edison's still sliding out. And in the penalty area, clatters into Ryan Fraser of Newcastle. Yeah. It's a penalty in all walks of life, but yeah. I can see how the on-field referee might be a bit like, it was off the ball, you know, accidental yeah. collision. That's fine. The player took the ball away. I can see that. But that basically means that if I'm nowhere near the ball, I can just take someone's legs away yeah. now because that's yeah. been allowed. But yeah. that wasn't given. And the VAR, I didn't even do a, a decent review on that. We can also look at, I'm just listing them all here because we've got loads and there's no point going through them all because there's a, a wider theme question. But there's Harry Kane nigh on breaking Andrew Robertson's legs with an appalling studs up challenge, which wasn't given. There was Jota bundled in the back in that game, clear as day. I mean, it's almost textbook penalty. Um, I mean, that's enough. That's quite, I mean, that's quite yeah, a few. Uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got uh, it's, it's loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of them. Almost none of them, the referee went over to look at, at a monitor. And it's all about clear and obvious. Is mm. it a clear and obvious mistake? We've got to get away from clear and obvious. We must dump it. It must be dumped from the conversation, from the protocol. Clear and obvious has to go. We replace it with right or wrong. Mm. Did that guy make a mistake? They're yeah. all going off the rule book, right? They all know the rule book inside and out. I don't believe they, 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 they forget the rules. I also don't believe there's any corruption, by the way. If you're accusing referees of being corrupt, you're an idiot. Incompetence is always the answer. Yes, human um, Yeah. You know, this is not corruption. Uh, I saw uh, some Liverpool fans want an investigation into Paul Tierney, who Klopp kind of embarrassingly, but understandably said, I've got no problems with any referees, but you... Trek record doesn't quite justify yeah. that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Kind of embarrassed himself a little bit there, but I, I understand it. I probably well, do the same myself. Yeah, you know, it's all, yeah. But, it's, yeah. It, you know, the high bar, clear and obvious and the high bar is making the whole thing muddled. Why well, isn't the VAR bloke just going, yeah, you made a mistake there. Oh, I think you might have made a mistake. Check but, it. But it's not just that. It's, it's the application. Kavanaugh is rated one of the best Champions League VAR officials out there. He's on all the big games. And yet the application in Champions League, if if that was if and insert joke here about Tottenham Hotspur in Champions League, um, mm. if that was a Champions League match, Harry Kane would have been sent off because that would have been the the application of VAR and the challenge itself. Why don't you Champions think that make, met the high bar? This I would love to know why you think that didn't meet the high bar. What's because the? I just think that the. I think the Premier League application of how they're utilizing VAR is different than what we see in other countries. And but it's that the same has, but that, but I, I I don't know if I agree with that broadly because there are games where tackles like that do happen. I agree, and they do get reviewed, and they do see it. But identical all, tackles like that have seen hundred percent. Uh, yeah, but again. This is, for everything that we always talked about, about VAR, right? About the technology. It's there to get the right, to get the big calls right. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's still operator error. It's human nature. It's this gray area of instantaneous decision on the field, then either backed up or turned over from 
a guy in front of a monitor. And, and ultimately, what we continue to talk about time and time again, Rennie, isn't necessarily the tackle itself, but why isn't VAR intervening and saying to the referee, you need to go have a look? Because we see this all the time, right? What do we want? We want accountability. How do we get accountability? We have to have a name associated with the person that's making the decision. And if the referee on the field makes the decision, then he's ultimately responsible. And how do we want res responsibility? If he cocked it up, well, then he shouldn't be on the next game next weekend. And there should be a list of saying, uh, insert name here, Chris Kavanaugh, right? Oh, he was due for Liverpool Man City next weekend. He's now off. He'll be down in the championship doing... Uh, whoever Barnsley yeah, why, against West Why did Barnsley West Brom get punished with Chris Kavanaugh? But that's <laughs> the point, right? It's because you're not good enough for the Premier League, so you're going to do a championship game, and you're going to have to prove that you can get through that game. There has to be some but element of punishment. The trouble with that punishment, the trouble with that punishment, is that clubs will then do something that I don't think consciously happens, and I don't think there's a corruption, but clearly they favor the big teams at home with the big crowds in the big decisions because they want to come back to Anfield next week. Mm. They want to come back to Old Trafford next week. They don't want to be at West Bromwich Albion against Barnsley. And yeah. so even that little scintilla of subconscious bias leads to what I think was the Vladimir Sufal penalty last week. But I, I just, the, the, the difficulty for us is until we get to the point where the, and I know the tech's already there, that in real time, we can listen to the conversation between VAR and yeah. the referee. The moment that the moment that, that play happens, right? The tackle for Harry Kane on, on Andrew Robinson. It should immediately, Horror immediately, tackle. once once the ball goes, once the ball goes out of play, live my or the live audio should pop in. Okay, we're gonna lay out. Here's uh, the referees speaking to each other. And we should be able to hear the communication. But you know, you, and, but, you, but the thing is, because of what happened, you know the conversation. I agree wholeheartedly that we should be able to hear it as consumers, what viewers, whatever. But the conversation would have been, um, it's being reviewed, and they they would have said to uh, Paul Tierney on the field, yeah, just have a quick look at that, Paul. Yeah, we're, we're not sure it was a dangerous play, so we're going to go with the on-field decision. And Tierney would have gone, no, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've made a decision. I've seen it. And, perfect. But it's not perfect. It's, no, none of it is. Yeah, because... Because it's not a case of, no, nah, I've seen it, it's fine, and we defer to the on-field referee. Yeah. We should defer to the bloke that's watching it on a video, yeah. and at least they say, they don't make the decision, but they say, Paul, you've got to go look at that on TV. They literally did it with the Robertson sending off but, but we do, later in the game. But and that's they got what that we absolutely do. right. I know. But Tom, do it this, for all of them. <laughs> but this is the same question we come back to every single time. There's There's this controversial decision that's not looked at. It's What's the arrogance of the referee? Confidence, arrogance, whatever you want to call it. And number two, the, the verbiage in which these VAR referees are operating under, how, how can they override the man in the middle? Hey, like you said, I think you need to take another look at this tackle. Harry Kane caught him above the ankle midair. Yeah. Even if he's jumping, that is clearly a dangerous tackle. He's yeah. leading with his studs. It was textbook. A hundred percent it was textbook. It was a textbook. And by, by the way, all these Spurs homers are like, no chance. He was in the air. You guys are morons. Of course, yeah. if that if that was Robertson on Harry Kane, you, Tottenham fans would have lost their f***ing minds. Sorry, Tim. 
Oh, I mean, all of it, I mean, all of it, you know, get rid of the high bar. I think we can all agree that a lot of football has been better this season because they've let games flow, but that doesn't need to be a VAR thing. You know, get rid of, get rid of the high bar, get rid of clear and obvious and make it right and wrong. Was this call right or wrong? And if it's, it's black and white as the cane sending off, then, you know, you say to your black, they might even talk to him less mm. if it's like, no, nah, it's wrong. It's just wrong. And, and also like, Let's change the whole thing about you don't review a second yellow. If it ends up being a second yellow, it's a red. It's now a red. Yeah. So let's get that right because it's now a red card. So, you know, let's just get that right. Let's just do the very basic stuff right. Was that correct? Was it correct? If it's correct, then we move on. If it's not correct, then we fix it. That's all this should be. And yet it's not that. It isn't that because it's all, it's all overcomplicated. And then to make it worse is that we have people, you know, all the broadcasts have people that get in touch with the Premier League and say, oh, why did this happen? Which our colleagues did in the Edison one at Newcastle. And the excuse that came back was something like, um, because the Man City player took the ball away, then it, it, didn't, it didn't warrant a foul. And it's like, okay, so before you cross the ball, my keeper will slide in, whip out the striker's legs, but the ball wasn't anywhere near, so it's fine. But that isn't true because... You've seen penalties given when the ball's flown over people's heads and the guy's yeah. gone down. You still have like to it, control your body. You doesn't still ring true. have to control the body. It doesn't ring true. And then we had the whole week of it. You know, <laughs> the type of people that referees got to change, the protocols need to change. We've got a really good thing here and it can, we can make it better. And instead, we're overcomplicating it because they're, they're bowing to pressure from here, there and everywhere. Basics of it, right or wrong. That's it. That's all you got to focus on, right or wrong. And if you get more right than wrong, you're doing okay. Otherwise, you're not. So that's this week's episode of Week in the Tackle. I would say a bit uncharacteristically aggressive this week. Things are very, very annoying right now. Next week, the return of the fun stuff. I'm going to do a bit about s'mores. Uh, we'll talk a bit about, you know, the usual stuff and not sort of like COVID and death and that. But if you did enjoy this week's episode, do leave us a nice review. Five stars, always preferred. I like this as well, because I noticed in our reviews, people are doing what I said. So we got a couple of five-star reviews, and one of them said, I really like Dunny, but I don't like the other guy. And others have said, I love Rene, but the other guy's useless. Check out our reviews. People are actually writing what I'm asking them. If you could write, Tom Rennie is incredibly handsome, and his voice is like honey on the review. We'd really appreciate that. Say what you want about Dunny. Uh, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. A Week in the Tackle also available on the SXM app. Free for most SiriusXM subscribers. Download today tap podcast and for video clips of the show and loads more. Twitter, Instagram, at SiriusXMFC. Week in the Tackle is part of the SiriusXM podcast network and is produced by Tim Horsey. The executive producer is Pete Corey. Sound design was by Joey DeFazio. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM FC's program director, Joe Tolleson. SiriusXM Podcasts.